Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. What Happens in the Woods is a true crime podcast. We discuss events that are often violent in nature. Listener's discretion is advised. It is said that a mother's love is the purest love one can receive. But we all know that mothers are only human. What happens when someone does not know how to give pure, unfaltering love to their children? Do abusive parents create abusive adults? Find out in this week's episode where we explore how Diane Downs destroyed the lives of the people she was supposed to love the most. This is True Crime Podcast, What Happens in the Woods, with your host for this week's bonus episode, Mara. Let's get started. You may notice I am not your usual host. I am her daughter. <laughs> I have taken her captive and I'm going to make her listen while I do her job. Actually, I'm not. But um, my name is Mara. You may have heard me in the What the Fuck Wednesdays. I'm back and I'm going to be hosting this episode. Do you have any messages for us, mom? <laughs> Help. <laughs> Is it that bad already? No. Giving over creative license to somebody else is, is nerve-wracking. But I have faith in you, Mara. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> no. Uh, you're going to do great, I'm sure. No pressure. You're going to do great. It's fine. <laughs> Hi, Bryce. Hello. <laughs> you thought you were going to be quiet? Yes. You thought wrong. Um, so we just want to say a very big thank you. We hit uh, our 10,000 downloads and it's a big deal for us because that means that you guys are listening. We like yeah. we know that people are listening, but 
to really see it in a, a number, you know, it quantifies what we're doing and it, it just makes us very thankful. So of course we always say thank you for listening, but we really mean it an extra bit this, this episode. So thank you so much. Thank you. Woo. And then this is kind of a bonus episode. So in honor of us having that milestone, we're going to have Mara tell us a story. Mara regale us with a story. <laughs> yes. You're going to need to buckle up for this. One. Yeah. Oh, any updates, Bryce? Sorry, Mara. It's okay. Hold, Mara. Please hold. <laughs> Holding. Um. No, really. UK is ahead. And we've hit 10,000 downloads. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for re- reiterating that. You know, you could just edit my little section off altogether. I probably, <laughs> you, I probably will. You, you oh. probably will. Oh. <laughs> Is it even my podcast anymore? I don't know. We don't know. I don't know. Just tomorrow we'll edit mom out. <laughs> we'll just edit her out. It'll just be me and you. She's not here. Okay. Okay. <laughs> That's fine. We got rid of her as the host, and like now she's not even here. No, I'm not yeah. even here. Okay. <laughs> all right. Well, that's all. That's all you got. You're good. Uh, yeah. Thank you, UK. Thank you, UK. And yes. everybody else. To to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. Ten thousand is a lot, and that's and, wild. No, because also we don't record every week. Like we're not a weekly podcast. Right. Yeah, we so, we've never been. I mean, we're weekly when it's the what the fuck Wednesdays, but that's a short stint. Yeah, like that's a short. Uh, yeah, and, and limited engagement. Yeah, yeah. So I think it's it, it's even bigger. You know that we don't we don't record every week. We're not a weekly podcast, right? So you guys do listen. <laughs> There's people out there listening, <laughs> right? No, and yeah. from the bottom of our hearts, thank you. Thank you. It means a lot to us. Yeah. We definitely appreciate it. For sure. Wild. It is wild. I mean, when you it think is. about it, it's yeah. just kind of wild. I, I'm, you it's know, celebrating a year. A year yeah. And then I was looking at the numbers and we, in November, hit 5,000 downloads. Oh, wow. So just since November, we've doubled that. Yeah. Yeah. That's wild. Yeah. So, I mean, we're, we're not recording every week. We're slowly progressing. But it is paying off and, and we're having fun doing it. And we hope you guys enjoy listening. Yes. So. All right. We're, we're done. <laughs> <laughs> we're done with that. All right, Mara. It's all you. <laughs> all right. So I volunteered myself to do this episode and it was really hard to find a case that mom didn't actually know about. <laughs> so thank you for making that hard. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> So she doesn't really know a lot of the details, um, but this will probably be one that people are kind of familiar with. It's it's pretty famous, but it was really interesting to read about. And I just wanted to do my little shout out because a book really helped me. It was a book by the famous true crime author Anne Rule. Yes. It's called Small Sacrifices. She's like the legendary. Yes. Yes. So that book was very helpful to me. So shout out to her. Rest in peace to a badass. Yeah. <laughs> and I also watched um, an ABC 2020 episode. Oh. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. That was a whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it was helpful. And then just, you know, research on the internet. Yeah. So. 
Okay. Who who are we talking about? Well, let me introduce. <laughs> okay. You do your thing, girl. So, on the night of May 19th, 1983, a 27-year-old mother pulled up to the emergency room at Mackenzie Willamette Hospital in Springfield, Oregon. She had a gunshot wound to the arm, and in the backseat of her car were her three children. One child was pronounced dead upon arrival, and the other two were severely injured. So why was this mom so calm despite claiming to have been carjacked and then shot? Let's dive into the story of Diane Downs. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Elizabeth Diane Fredrickson, also known as Diane Downs, was born in Phoenix, Arizona on August 7th, 1955 to Wesley Linden and Willadine Ingle Fredrickson. She was the eldest of five children and her parents both worked for the Postal Service. Her parents are described as being conservative and religious and pretty strict, but to me, it just seems like they were abusive. Mm. <laughs> uh, yeah, her dad a little bit more so. Um, she did not like her father. He was pretty authoritarian. And he was mm. pretty distant, but it seemed like he was the one who was always handing out the punishments and his mom was just kind of, or her mom was just going along with it. Yeah, that's pretty, pretty typical for that time period. Yeah. So yeah. they were a good church going family. They went three times a week. Of course they did. <laughs> three times. Hey, there were weeks where we were at church every day. So I, I don't want to hear it. <laughs> um. Her mother was kind of distant as well. It just seems like she had a lot to juggle with five children and keeping up the household and also pleasing her husband. Mm. So this left Diane wishing that um, she had more time with her mom. And she she just felt like she didn't really, she wasn't close with her mom. She didn't have a lot of her mom's attention. Mm. Um, she was generally obedient to her parents, I think mainly out of fear. Sure. And yeah. she often... This is a common theme in, in her life. She often dreamed of what her life would be like as an adult and how it would be much more extravagant than it was now and how she would finally have her idea of this, quote, perfect love, unquote. Mm. The idea of perfect love, I think, is more of a term that Anne Rule used rather than Diane herself, but it definitely describes what Diane was always searching for. And this affects a lot of the choices that she makes in her life. Uh, it's not surprising that Diane did not like her father when you learn that he began sexually abusing her at the age of 12. Oh, shit. God damn. I, I didn't know that. Yeah. It, um, so her dad is emotionally distant, but he's using her sexually. And obviously that's, su that's super oh. confusing to her. God, yeah. Um, it makes her feel really guilty and dirty. And her way of coping is just basically to retreat inside of herself, she said. Wow. Um, so this story, I just want to say trigger warning of sexual abuse. It's a little late for that. It's no. a little late, but <laughs> this, not that it, that's a joke. It's that's a little more funny, specific. But, so okay. if that triggers you, probably like skip at least yeah, a minute. Okay. So it's said that, and this is in the book, um, Small Sacrifices from Diane. She says that she became so sick like physically ill because she was scared to go to sleep because this is when this would happen. Mm -hmm. She became so physically ill that her dad took her to the doctor and the doctor could obviously find nothing wrong with a 12 year old. He was yeah. like, there's no reason that a 12 year old should not be sleeping. <laughs> yeah. 
and she wouldn't fess up. Obviously she was scared. Especially with her dad in the room. Yeah. I'm sure he was in the room. Oh, I'm sure he was. Yeah. No, cause she's 12. Yeah. <clears throat> he would have to be, especially back then. It's not like now. Yeah. Well, even now, 12 years old, I think they parents still, have to be still in the would be in the room. Oh well, yeah. But I don't know. I guess I, I felt it's a little bit different. I think, well, I think now it was usually around the age of like between 14, 14 and 16. Yeah. They start asking, depending yeah. upon the state that you're in, I think there are different state laws of, of when they'll start asking certain questions yeah. for minors. And they, they will ask if you're comfortable with your parents being in the room, but it's different in every state, I believe. But yeah, I mean, back this is before HIPAA was even a thing. Yeah. So I, uh, uh, whoever wanted to be in the room could be in the room and be adamant about being in the room. Yeah. So yeah, there's no, <laughs> and of course with him being so <laughs> authoritarian course. and she's not just going to blurt it out. No. Well, no. Cause the thing is, I'm sure at that point, I mean, she's 12. So she, this is what? 60 late sixties. Yeah. Oh, fuck yeah. She's going to go home and get her ass beat. No, I yeah. think you said and she the, was born in 83. No, she's no, born maybe. in 55. Oh, 50. Okay, never mind. Yeah. Yeah, totally different time. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, she's, they're going to go home and she's going to get her ass beat if she even sneezed wrong. Yeah. Yeah. It said that um, her dad would often just kind of sit her down and lecture her, but it would basically just be like screaming at her and mm -hmm. she would just sit there and scratch her face. Was her yeah coping mechanism? I guess you would say yeah yeah. So, okay, so so they're in the doctor's office. So they're in the doctor's office. She's not fessing up to anything. Right. She's scared because her dad is the breadwinner. He's in charge, just like we said, authority. Right. Um, and as they're leaving this appointment, they're driving away from town. It's just them in the car. Um, he actually asks her to take off her shirt. For what purpose? Because so he could see titties. Yes. Ew. Um, because he says your your bra is just like a bathing suit top. It's fine. That's what he says to her. And then he goes a step further. She obviously doesn't want to do it, but she she does it. Um, he goes a step further and he's like, "All right, now take off your bra." And she's mm. scared. She doesn't want to. Mm -hmm. And she starts screaming. She starts yelling, and she's like crying. Yeah. And behind them is an Arizona highway patrol man. Oh, shit. And he's seeing this go down. And she actually tries to open the door. And she's thinking of jumping out. Yeah. But he reaches over and grabs the door and closes it and locks it. And the highway patrolman actually pulls them over. And he's like, what's the problem? What's going on? And she doesn't say anything. I don't know if he pulled her aside privately. He probably didn't. I don't know. Um, but she says there's nothing wrong. Uh, my dad took me to the doctor and I got a shot and I'm crying and he's driving me around because I'm, we have company at home and I'm not allowed to cry in front of company. God, what a good liar. Yeah. Like what, what has all of this done to you mentally that you can come up with a lie like that on the spot? Yeah. That's what she tells the patrolman. Um, he pulls, I don't know if he pulls Wes aside, the dad, but uh, whatever he says to him scares him enough that he stops doing this. But it's not reported or anything. He just so the sexual abuse stops. Yes, that's interesting. Yeah, huh. that's according to Diane. 
so the she's claiming though that the sexual abuse stopped after this appointment this doctor's appointment yes because of this event but they tried to track this highway patrolman down because he never reported it right and he was long dead but because this is actually something she testified in court interesting i are her parents alive when this happens with the like the court yes stuff but her dad has never acknowledged this They've never talked about it between themselves. He's never acknowledged it. Hmm. Interesting. So, I mean, this is alleged abuse then. Yes. Yeah. Okay. That's... But it is something she brings up multiple times. So. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Did it happen so. to any of the other? Because you said there was five kids. Yeah. Did it happen to any of the other? Or was she the only girl? She was the eldest. She wasn't the only girl, but... I don't know if it really happened to anyone else. She said she had her own room. So she thinks that afforded her more like that. It afforded them more privacy for him to do that. Hmm. Cause it would be late at night when her mom was at work. And so he would be taking care of the kids and he would come into her room. She had her own room. Okay. Yeah. Mm. I mean, it's really sad because you don't want to discredit, you know, if that's, yeah. that was her experience, you don't want to discredit that in any way. And, and I can't imagine what a child that age goes through. I mean, you're barely finding out anything about your body, let alone exactly. having that happen to you. And it does horrible things to your outlook on life and, and how you interact with people. And it just, I mean, it touches everything. It definitely does, especially for her. Yeah. But I, but I also, you know, people say a lot of a lot of shit when they're trying to say, "Oh, poor me." Yes. And I've done something horrible, but what what is the one thing that I could say that makes it all okay and give you know people will give me sympathy? And I hope that's not the case. But God, yeah. But he never refutes it. That's the thing. Yeah. Like I, I would have been like, "The fuck, I didn't do that shit." But yeah, he's they, just it's like never. Yeah, but you know, to some people, even if you refute it, you're giving credence to it. You know what I mean? They don't. Want, they won't speak on it. Period, because they won't acknowledge any of it, whether they did or didn't do it. But like a lot of people think that way. Like I'm not even going to discredit it because to do that would give it attention. like opens more. Yeah. yeah, opens it up for more attention. I don't know. With him I, being I, so I authoritarian, know. I thought he would have been like, nope. Yeah, I maybe, to be honest, yeah, because she's maybe. challenging him. You know what I mean? That's yeah. I thought he would have at least said something, but I guess not. Yeah, I don't know. Well, needless to say, she does not like her father. Yeah, yeah. Um, and she always dreams of escaping her parents' house. So mm-hmm. a lot of choices she makes, especially in her younger years, there, so that she can get away. Mm-hmm. Um, so when she becomes a junior in high school. She meets her high school sweetheart, Mm. who she ends up marrying later. His name is Steve Downs. The two of them start dating, and it's a very intense and toxic relationship, and continues to be so for the rest of the time they're together. Steve is this like big shot, bad boy type of guy, and Diane's conservative parents absolutely hate him. Of course they do. So she's going to... Yeah, that just makes her... Dig into that, yeah. Yeah, they basically 
beg her, like, please date anybody else. And of course she doesn't listen. <laughs> well, hell no. You set yourselves up for that shit. Yeah. Dumbasses. Um, and not before long, it is reported that Diane and Steve are sleeping together regularly. Like a few months into them dating. Mm. Huh. Um, it's unclear to me if they break up for a bit or if they're just apart. But Steve joins the Navy in 1972 and then Diane graduates high school later that year so he was wait he was she was a junior he was a junior too yeah oh okay they were the same age but for some reason uh diane actually graduates a year early oh yeah she was actually very very intelligent she did very well in school Hmm. um now that she doesn't have her knight in shining armor steve she decides she's going to go off to college in california (laughs) in one of her attempts to escape her parents Mm mm-hmm she attends Pacific Coast Baptist Bible College in Orange, California. Yes, she went to Bible college. Mm-hmm. Yes, she did. <laughs> and she's enrolled in a program to become a Christian missionary. Yeah, she is. Okay. But her plan was always to be a doctor. That's something that she always wanted to do. So she hoped that she could eventually switch to pre-med. At the Bible college. Yeah, I don't know. That part was kind of unclear to me. But she always has this dream of being a doctor. That's what she wants to do. And it's mainly because she wants money. Oh, uh, okay. She didn't want to help people. Okay. She wanted money because she was always dreaming that she was going to, you know, run off, have this big house and be successful. Mm -hmm. That was, that was her MO. Okay. Um, But her plan does not end up working out. Her college life does not last long because after just two semesters, she's expelled due to promiscuous behavior. Oh, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. Bible college. That, that'll get you expelled. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You'll be asked not to come back. Yeah. So uh, she's expelled and she heads to live back with her parents in Arizona and starts working different jobs, just basically waiting for Steve to come back from his Navy tour. Mm. And when he does return, they start seeing each other all the time, which does not please her father. <laughs> Apparently he would actually go wait outside Diane's place of employment to ensure that she was going straight home and not to go see Steve. Her oh, her dad, her dad was? Her dad would wait outside of her work. Wow. This is giving me uh Sarah Turney's sister who Sarah Turney who got her, like her dad uh ended up she got charges brought up against him for killing her sister Alyssa. He would go and stalk her <laughs> at her employment. You didn't hear about that case? <laughs> you're the research lady <laughs> you're the research lady okay but you're on your computer all the time she actually got charges brought up against her father because her sister went missing but this that's something that he would go and do is like stalk her at her jobs and he there's actually like video footage of him recording her while she's inside her job at a fast food restaurant and he's out in the parking lot recording her that's yeah, sorry. This that's just like brought brought some some uh, connection there. Creepy fathers. Yeah, yeah. Well, since uh, Diane basically sees Steve as her ticket out of her house and away from her parents, one night she decides she's not going to come home after a date night with Steve. Mm. And Wes is pissed. And how old is she at this point? Eighteen. Ain't she 18? What are you going to do? Well, he goes, this is what he does. Okay. (laughs) He shows up at Steve's house 
with a shotgun and basically says, give me back my daughter or marry her. And so Steve and Diane are married in November of 1973. (laughs) You're so dumb. If you don't like the guy, why would you say marry her? Literally, that's what he said. He basically threatened him. It was just like, yeah, so either you're going to give her back or you're going to marry her. (laughs) So then she'll be like your problem. You know what? These people never learn. I'm sorry. These people never learn. Okay. So like I said, Steve and Diane's relationship was always a rocky one. And he's constantly cheating on her. Like months Mm. into being married, she finds out that he's seeing another lady. Yeah. Okay. And so he's always cheating on her and she knows it. Why did he marry her? He was threatened by a shotgun. (laughs) Okay. Give her back. You're obviously getting the pussy someplace else. (sighs) I like, obviously you didn't need her. You were getting it all over the goddamn town. Go, go get it someplace else. There was a shotgun involved. Yeah. I have no idea. But he gave you two choices. You chose poorly. <laughs> if, if you were going to keep doing your BS. Right. Yeah. Okay. All right. They're married. He's cheating. Yep. I'm sure she's miserable. Yes. She basically decides at this point that she doesn't need love from a man. That's not what she needs. And oh. she can just create her own. <laughs> yes, they make catalogs full of stuff that help you do that. Well, actually, this is uh, she plots, basically. Um, and okay. she knows her cycle so well that she throws away her birth control. Mm. And this is how her first child, Christiane, is born in 1974. Mm. Because she thinks that a child can give her that perfect love. Okay. And this is followed by Sherilyn in 1976. Mm. And then after having Cheryl, she gets pregnant about a year later. Um, but this is a pregnancy that she chooses to terminate because she, in her own words, says that the child would not be loved because things were just so hard. Like things were so bad between her and Steve and her second child, Cheryl was a very colicky child apparently. And she was like, I don't have time for this. (laughs) I mean, I I feel that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So she has an abortion, which she later regrets. Okay. And she becomes obsessed with the idea of replacing this child that she aborted. Oh, honey. Oh, my God. Okay. And this is how Stephen Daniel, a.k.a. Danny, is born in 1979. And Danny is not a biological child of Steve's. He is actually someone that they both worked with, Steve and Diane. Um, Because Steve refused to reverse his vasectomy. Diane sought out a worthy contender at the place that they both work. And yeah, she chose this guy who she thought was, had good genes, was attractive. What the fuck? And she knows her cycle so well that she goes and sleeps with him and that's how she gets pregnant. And and he knows? He knows. And this is kind of the reason why they get a divorce. Okay. Yeah. Okay. What the hell? Steve says he's not going to love this kid (laughs) because he really wanted a boy. And he's like, if this is the boy, I will leave you. (laughs) And it was a boy. Okay. Well, that, I mean, the fact that it's a boy is not her fault. So. Yeah. But he ends up loving this kid anyway. And 
he loves him like one of his own. Okay. Well, but redeeming factor, I guess, there for Steve. This is when they get divorced around mm. 1980. And just like a side note, Diane doesn't actually allow Danny's biological father to see him unless she needs a babysitter. Man, these okay. people. Yeah. Right. And she like gives him rules. She's like, you can't drink and you can't have any girlfriends. But you cannot see your child unless I say so. I mean, this really was, that's kind of when uh, divorce court actually, like child, what yeah. is that division called? Family family court. I don't know. That's kind of when that started because there were so many divorces around that time. Like people came out of the 70s and were like, yeah, why the hell are we staying married? And everybody who had kind of gotten married in the 60s and 70s that, and it was you know, really rough and they shouldn't have been married in the first place. They just decided the eighties was the decade. So they started actually having to have that like separate division of the court system for family court and like set up all, you know, how it's set up today is not at all how it was set up yeah. before they just, there wasn't a need for it. <laughs> well, it doesn't seem like, Steve and Diane still are kind of involved with each other, like up until the end before she goes, you know. So they're divorced, but. (laughs) Yeah, so they're divorced, but but they do still see each other. See each other as in they're fucking. Not as in that, but as in they're still always involved with each other, basically. He's always still there for her, and she kind of just uses him. Okay. Yeah. Okay. At one point, she does give her children to him, and then she decides, like, never mind, I want them back. She actually asks them, who would you rather live with? And they say their mom because they're scared of her. Mm. <laughs> that's a, Okay. Yeah. That's a nice way to live. Because I was like, why would, why would he let them? Why would they want to? And they were just scared of her. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I always forget that sometimes they damage their own kids, too. Oh yeah. What do you mean? What do you mean by that? We'll stay with mom because she scares us. Like what? Yeah. Yeah, and I will get into that. Okay. So Diane doesn't really see Danny as the replacement child that she wanted because she felt that she was gonna have a girl when she had an abortion, mm. and he's not a girl. So from here, Diane becomes more depressed, but also more violent. She was physically and mentally abusive towards her husband and her children. I guess her. No longer husband. Um, She viewed Steve just like she had viewed her dad as a captor. And she only really stayed with him because she needed him financially. Mm -hmm. So once she gets this bright idea that she has, that's when they actually officially become divorced. Um, She gets this bright idea that she's going to be a surrogate mother. So that she can get money to get away from him. Are you serious? Yes. She decides she's going to become a surrogate mother because she'd get the praise and she'd get the money, and she would make up for her abortion. Okay. So she ends up getting $10,000 from this, and that's when she really leaves him. She goes and buys a mobile home and moves the kids in with her. Yeah. Okay. And it is said during the time that she was pregnant with a surrogate child that she was being an extremely neglectful mother to the children that she already had. Um, She would leave them home alone while she was at work, um, and they were not old enough to be home alone. Yeah, if this is the early 80s, the oldest is what, maybe 10 Not even. Wow. Not even. She's maybe like six. Okay. 
Uh, who's cooking dinner? Uh, well, that's the thing. Nobody. <laughs> this oh. is like one of those after school specials. I yeah, swear you're to God. six. You can't even cook. You can't. Ugh. Yeah. So she's out partying it up and having affairs with married men. And the neighbors are basically taking care of her kids and feeding them most of the time because they're concerned. They don't see Diane around and the kids will come up and be like, what's for dinner? Because we don't have dinner. Oh my God. And they see the kids um, outside barefoot in the summer and in the winter with no jacket. Um, And they actually tell the neighbors that they're very scared of their mom. And nobody does anything. Except for, you know, they take them in, they take care of them. Cool. And I know one of the neighbors actually had a discussion with their husband about adopting the kids, but nothing ever came of that. Yeah, because you actually have to call the authorities. Yeah, they were kind of, they kind of didn't want to confront Diane. Okay, but this is the problem. This is the exact problem. Exactly. She, She obviously needed mental help. No, she did. And I'm not saying that in the 80s you were going to get great mental help or, you know, mental health help or that they had great systems in place for that. Because obviously we're still struggling now with, you know, to this day. But you have to actually call people who are able to help to fix these types of situations. Why are you... Basically, in in those cases, I look at that and I think you're choosing the parent over the children. The parent has the choices and the control. These children are not in control of anything in their lives, but you're choosing to to look at the parent and value them more than the children because you don't want to get involved and and hurt somebody's, you know, ruin somebody's life. Yeah. So you're ruining three. Well, that's the thing. For the sake of the one. I feel like Diane is also a perfect example of something that you talk you something that you talk about a lot on the show, which is um, the fact that people slip through the cracks. Yes, there's so many things that happen, and there's so many opportunities. And one of the things I want to mention is that Diane had to go through psychological tests to be a surrogate mother. Right, she failed two of them. Oh. How did she still? Because the second psychologist thought that it would be good for her to have the surrogate child to make up for her aborted child but they she both actually said that yes they oh both God. both of these psychologists doubted that she would actually give up a child when the time came oh yeah i already have doubts as to that she does she ends up giving up the children but both of the psychologists said that she was a very talkative person but it was all a facade she was very good at putting on a facade and underneath she was very insecure, but she was good at talking. She learned that from her parents. She was very good at talking. And that's something that you see if you watch things in the media, she is very good at putting on a show. Yeah. God. So, and one of the other things is one of the times that one of the moms actually wants to have a conversation with Diane, she kind of does have a conversation with her and says, Hey, like I, I noticed that the kids, didn't get dinner like and I noticed that they sit on the doorsteps a lot while you're at work and Diane just goes off and she's like well I do my mail route through here so I'm not far away okay yeah 
And but are those children who are all under the age of of school age with you and being looked at and watched? Exactly. What if one of them ran into the street or the road and got hit by a car? Where the fuck are you? Oh, I'm I'm across the mobile home park delivering mail. (laughs) Yeah. And she actually tells Christy, which is her eldest, in front of one of the neighbors one time while they're having this discussion that if she's not going to be a good girl and listen, then she deserves to die. Whoa. I I really hate this woman. And she says this in front of the neighbor. I and and still nobody's gonna do anything. Exactly. And <sighs> it is said that Diane would often be in new clothes. She'd be looking all dolled up and the kids would be in these old tattered clothes and their hair wouldn't even be combed. And she would take them out like that. Uh she even confessed to her boss on Christmas Eve, I think it was that she was scared because the night before she hit her children harder than she ever had before. And he asked her to get help. And obviously she did not. Yeah. And, and where's the ex-husband and all like, he's not noticing the neglect and. She probably blocked him. Like, you know, said, Oh, you can't come over. No, he would come over. I don't know if he was just as bad with this. I don't think because People said when she was out of town actually getting inseminated for her surrogate pregnancy that they the kids were much more well taken care of at that point in time. Was he taking Because they care were of with him. him. Yeah, he was taking care of them while she was out of town getting inseminated. Oh. So he's, I mean, he's just as much to blame. Yeah. Right, because if you are capable of taking care of them when she's not around, then you should have been fighting to take care of them when she was. And I I can't say whether he was or not. Um, mm. But yeah, he's kind of guilty okay. by association. Uh, yeah. And he also tries to make amends with her many times and kind of tries to get back together. So the fact that he would even do that is just kind of like, hello. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, she slips through the cracks a lot and something that's crazy to me, this is something that Anne Rule said is she didn't have children so that she could love them. She had children so that they could love her. Mm-hmm. And it's pretty sad considering that she treated them so poorly. Yeah. Yeah. What, what type of love were you trying to get from your children that you treated like shit? Yeah. Hmm. So where it all takes a turn is when she meets her married lover mm-hmm. that she has a long-term little fling with. Mm-hmm. And we'll get into that after the break. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So this brings me to Diane's Merry Lover. It's July of 1982, and... Diane feels like she's on the up and up. She had her money from the surrogate pregnancy. She has bought a new mobile home. She's working at the post office in Chandler, Arizona. And she's thinking of all these possibilities that she has. And she's thinking about going back to school. And this is when she starts fooling around with one of her married coworkers, 
named Robert Knickerbocker. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, but everybody calls him Nick. <laughs> sure. So Diane becomes very, very obsessed with this man. Like, we cannot even go into detail about how obsessed she is with him because we just don't even have time. <laughs> okay. Just know that it was wild. Okay. So they have this very on-again, off-again relationship that lasts for about a year. Uh, Nick was just looking for a little fling because he was unhappy in his marriage. And he thought that Diane could be down with that because that's basically what she was doing all the time with married men at the post office. Mm. Oh, so she did this with other married men? Yes. Well, it's a pattern. Bible school. Uh, yeah. But it was not to this extent that it is with him. Um. Oh. Uh, Nick would try to break up with Diane often and she just really did not get the message. And I think he was sending some unclear signals, but really he would just speak and it was like one in one. It was like in one ear and out the other for her. Oh yeah. Cause it's not what she wants to hear. That doesn't fit her narrative. No. You know, if she wants to continue the relationship, then it doesn't matter what he says. Yeah. Diane really cannot leave this man alone. And she would even harass his wife who oh, had shit. knowledge of this affair. Oh God. Nick kept telling her that he had no intention of leaving his wife and then he and that he didn't want to be a daddy to her kids and she insisted that she'd find a way that they wouldn't bother him. Mm. I'm sure if she just want I'm not sure if she just wanted a new start or if this was just a way to try to get Nick's attention, but Diane calls him while he's on vacation with his wife in Texas. They're visiting some friends. Somehow she gets this number. My yeah, I was going to say, there's no cell phone. She's not calling him on a cell phone. No. So she got somebody's house phone number. Yeah, and Nick thinks that she stole it out of his wallet while he was sleeping one time. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Basically, she tells him that she's going to be moving to Oregon in April of 1983. He's like, cool. Uh, Please leave. <laughs> what was the move about? Like I said, I, I don't know if she just really thought that this was going to get his attention and that... Mm. You know, she's she's on the up and up. She's she's going to do whatever yeah. she wants. She's living her best life. Right. And she really thinks that he's going to come with her. <laughs> she really does think. Okay. And he's like, no, I have no intention of leaving my wife. Mm. I'm staying here. <laughs> and he tries to tell her this. And she's just like, nah, he'll come. He'll be there. Okay. Well, I... uh-huh. So she transfers to the post office of where her parents are living, which is in Springfield, Oregon. So her dad is actually up there. I think he was the postmaster or something. Mm. So she just had to like drop his name. Why does she want to be anywhere close to them? Yeah, I have no idea. Because I'm pretty sure she moves in with them for a little bit until she gets like her own place. Mm. Well, hopefully they helped her take care of the kids a little bit better. Yes. They mm. were taking care of the kids pretty often. She actually sent the kids before she actually moved and they were taking mm. care of them. Oh, okay. Because yeah. she was waiting for her transfer. Mm. So she transfers in April. I think she sends the kids sometime in March, like the end of March. And Nick says he was glad that things were finally over. As soon as she left the state, he was so happy. I bet. And Diane actually did not have contact with him. She actually did not. Oh, she let it go. S- mm. uh. Okay. Okay. 
Uh, she she didn't have contact with him, but she did, however, keep a diary, which included letters that she would not send, but they would be letters to Nick. Mm. And at first she writes about her love for him and how Nick's wife is in the way and he's the only one for her and there's a hole in her heart, all this shit. And mm. then she slowly progresses to talking quite a bit about her children she says that she loves them more than Nick and that they love her. And she speaks of how loving and talented they are and how she takes them to do fun things all the time. And he should be there. Like, they miss mm. you, even though they had never met him. <laughs> he wanted nothing right, to do I was with them. Say, he didn't want to have anything to do with them. I can't imagine they were going on family outings. No, he never had anything to do with them. Okay. But this diary, it's almost like she intended for people to read it because mm. they if you were to read it you would think wow this is such a good mom like she loves her kids mm -hmm. so police think she did did that on purpose maybe or or maybe this is part of the mental health help that she needed where she yeah. had a uh, like disassociative re reality it's like she's writing her own story right it is quite possible i that's what i would jump to not necessarily that she did this on, on purpose for the p police or somebody else to get but literally she probably believed what she wrote yeah because at one point it just snap yeah. and then she was like yes i love my children my children are amazing they are my life <laughs> hmm. and all the stuff that she would take them to do and yeah yeah i don't i don't know about that she okay. even wrote to like the unborn children that she had that was one of her last entries before the events transpired. This bitch is crazy. <laughs> I don't, yeah, I, there's definitely, okay. Did she well, name the unborn children? She did. Oh. She did. Of course she did. Yeah. Okay. So this is where we actually get into the events of May 19th, 1983. Like I said, Diane pulls up to the hospital with her three children. Diane was shot in her arm. Her left arm. Mm -hmm. uh, Cheryl was age seven. She was pronounced dead upon arrival. Oh. Christy, age eight, suffered a stroke. And oh. Danny, aged three, was paralyzed from the waist down. <gasps> the entire time, she's described as being very calm. She does not cry. Not even once. Yeah. And, in fact, she tells one of the surgeons who works on Christy that she's upset because now there's blood all over her new car. <laughs> She says this okay. to a surgeon working on her child. Wow. <laughs> okay. Um, when detectives come to the hospital to interview her, this is the story that she gives them. That evening, Diane and the kids had been visiting a friend, and she decided to take the back roads home to do some sightseeing. While she's driving along, a shaggy-haired man flags her down for help, so she stops. <laughs> sure. I don't know what mom is stopping at like 9 or 10 at night on a dark road, but okay, go off. I mean, it was a different time. Even I, so. I still don't know a mom that would do that with three kids, little kids. That are sleeping like in the that. car. Yeah. And they have a Jeep. And she has a Jeep. What were you going to do? She has a Jeep. She has like a, it's, it's a sedan. Oh. Yeah. Where you said a she Jeep. had a Jeep. I thought, I thought you said she got blood all over my Jeep. No, just she said no, my her, new car. Her new oh, car. her new car. Why do I think it was a Jeep? Okay. <laughs> what are what story are you hearing? <laughs> I'm in my own head. 
Are you, are you writing oh your own diary <laughs> entries of your own reality? I'm writing to my unborn. <laughs> I hope not. Children. There's no more unborn children. Oh, oh God. Thank you. Very All right. Much. Thank um, you. <laughs> Moving on. Yeah. So this man demands her car and she's like, you got to be kidding me. That's what she says. You got to be kidding me, man. And she refuses. And then he pushes her aside and he shoots her children. Man, that would have been a really nice car. And then there was a bit of struggle somewhere. Sure. And she gets shot in the arm in there somewhere. Yeah. And pretends to throw the keys to distract him so that Mm. she can escape. And then she rushes to the hospital. Okay. This sends everyone in the small town of Springfield into a frenzy because they're shocked. They're like, why is there a man out there shooting children? I mean, (laughs) as you would be. Yeah. There's this huge manhunt that's going on. The police, with little evidence to go on other than shell casings, gathered a composite sketch and were out asking everyone if they'd seen a man that matched the sketch. They were like knocking on doors. Looking for Jesus. Yeah, <laughs> basically. <laughs> you said shaggy. No, literally, you should, look at the, the, you should look at the picture because like, now that you said Jesus. Yeah. Really? Okay. She is. She is kind of crazy. White Jesus, Jesus shot your kids. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Full circle to the Bible. To the Bible uh, college. <laughs> so they even have divers that are in the river looking for a weapon. Oh my God. They don't find anything. Meanwhile, Diane is making such a scene in the media. Like she's doing all these interviews and shit. She's loving the attention. Um, but honestly, she just talks herself into trouble because the more people hear this story, the more they find holes in it. Mm. And the more the evidence does not match up. For one, it comes out that she wrapped her left arm in a towel and drove to the hospital. But she did not do anything for the children. Of course not. Mm. So the police are suspicious almost from the get-go. And they actually do this reenactment video with Diane just to like gather more evidence. Really make her make her repeat her story here. Yeah. Okay. Um, so she can describe what's going on and you can find the video. Uh, she's concerned with her appearance in the video. She's She's looking in the mirror and she's sitting in a car. Because she's reenacting what happened with her car. Well, yeah, she got to look right. She's looking in the mirror. She's fixing her hair. Mm-hmm. Are there kids in the video? No. Oh. It's just her oh, and no. like an they officer. They hire actors. <laughs> it's just her and like one officer. Oh, okay. And she has her arm in her say, cast her, thing. Her children. Well, her one child's dead. And the two are in the hospital. And the two were seriously a reenactment, injured. maybe they hired child actors. She's I would on hope camera. that the police would know enough, even in the 80s, to not traumatize children in that way. I don't know. It's the 80s. McGruff, the, the crime dog, would have frowned. <laughs> he would have frowned upon okay. that shenanigans. Well, she she's in this video. She's laughing. She's having a good time. She's making some jokes. Oh, sociopath. Yeah. It's super strange. But obviously this makes the cops suspicious. Um, hell yeah. <laughs> and after this, the police get consent to search her apartment. And this is where they find that diary that she keeps mm-hmm. almost daily, mm-hmm. which was quite, quite a plethora of some evidence for them. Yeah. Um, obviously, they're keeping an eye on her. And meanwhile, she's doing tons of interviews still. She clearly liked the attention, but basically this doesn't help her case. And she can feel that people are turning on her. So she's trying real hard to get people's sympathy. Mm. In one interview, she's quoted as saying, if I had shot my children, would I had not have done a good job of it? <laughs> okay. And she kept asking stuff like, if, if I was guilty, why wouldn't I have just killed them to make sure that they couldn't snitch on me? 
Like she keeps asking that to people. Um, I because you're a poor shot. I don't know. Or you're trying to create this narrative like you have done your whole life. Exactly. Um, the interview that really dug her grave was an interview with Ann Jager. And in this interview, she hardly spoke of her children and their pain, but she more spoke spoke of her pain and how the situation affected her. Right. Of course. Which which is valid. It's only valid in the way that, you know, obviously she was if this had happened, that would be valid. <laughs> right. Except for she says something about uh, how people are always saying, you're so lucky. She was like, well, I don't really feel like it because I couldn't tie my shoes for two damn months. <laughs> and my arm still hurts. Not that you've lost a child. Yeah. I mean, she kind of worried about tying yeah. shoes. She kind of puts on this like, and I remember Christy reaching for me with like blood spurting out of her mouth. And, and it's like, girl girl good and she thinks that her kids are the lucky ones because if she was the one who was shot that way then they would they all would have died so it's lucky that they got shot and not her yeah so lucky mm-hmm. yeah like who who says that who who girl yeah and in this interview it is revealed that she is pregnant once again with whose baby uh it is a man along her mail route that she sought out. <laughs> she straight up went along her mail route to find a hookup? No, she literally f- saw this man. She's like, he's fine. He, you know, a good contender. Oh, my God. She comes and knocks on his door with whiskey and marijuana. <laughs> and she knows her cycle so well that she gets pregnant. Oh, my God. This woman should not be allowed to work for the post office any longer. She's straight up using it for like, uh, for, sex. for sex. Yeah. <laughs> like it's I'd, just, it is crazy to me how many times this woman gets pregnant. And the second of all, like seeks out people specifically. And she's like, they have good genes. Yeah. I will use this one. Right. That's what she does. It's like her process. And she knows her cycle. She tells people this. I know my cycle so well. Like she I says mean, this. You're in tune with your body. <laughs> I'm okay. Go off, I guess. Yeah. Uh, so clearly uh, the sympathy starts fading and even her dad thinks that she's lying. About being pregnant or about, sh- about the kids? About the kids. Okay. Uh, police do bring her in for another interview and this time they're putting the pressure on her and she completely changes her story. She gets oh super bitchy. Uh, she says she knows who did it. But she's like, how about you go fuck yourself, basically. She literally says that. Uh, she says, I know who did it. And I'm not going to tell you. And okay. then she storms out. She walks out. That makes no sense. And it takes a long time. But the one who eventually does her in is her eldest daughter, Christy. Mm. They really wanted to wait for Christy to heal so that she could testify. Mm-hmm. They didn't want to rush that. Uh, so at first, Christy could not speak. And when she could speak, she was very afraid to talk. How did she get a stroke? Was she shot in her head or? I'm not sure because all of the kids were shot in like different places. Mm, okay. But I think that is possibly where she was shot. I mean, an, an eight-year-old having a stroke is, I, I mean. Yeah. Yeah. So nurses noted that during her recovery, anytime that Diane would come into her room, her vitals would skyrocket. Mm. instantly Mm -hmm. they have her work with a therapist and it takes nine months 
Her therapist says, I want you to write on this piece of paper who did this to you. Mm-hmm. And we'll put it in an envelope and then we'll burn it. They do this for nine months. And he's like, whenever you're ready to talk about it, we'll open the envelope. Mm-hmm. So it takes nine months. And finally they open the envelope and it says, my mom. Oh, shit. Thus, uh, Diane was arrested on February 28th, 1984. And never once does she look shocked in any of the photos. <laughs> never once. That's pretty much how I uh, expected it. Yeah. I'm, I mean, I've seen photos of her like during court. I have seen that. And she looks to me a lot like how Ted Bundy looked. Yeah. During his um, trial in Florida where he was just cocky and self-assured mm-hmm. and um, really couldn't couldn't fathom that this was going to go any way other than their way yeah. essentially yeah she kind of gave me that vibe yeah yeah um so she's arrested in february and the trial takes place in may mm. christy actually recovered enough that she took the stand as like the key witness oh, and the jury girl. she told the jury who shot her uh, i can't imagine how hard that is yeah so let's go into the real story of what happened. Right. Before yes. What's the tea? Her sentencing. Yeah. The night of May 19th, 1983, Dan was driving her children home from a friend's house on a back road. Christy actually remembers that Hungry Like the Wolf by Duran Duran was playing on a tape in the car. Oh my God. I used to love that song. <laughs> God. And if you analyze it, it's, it's quite interesting. No, that song is horrible. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's just very interesting because that was one of Diane's favorite albums. And mm. if you if you analyze the album, this was pointed out in one of the interviews. It's very like Hunt mm-hmm. and me and I. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the she pulls over and she shoots them all. Where did she get the gun? It's hers. Uh, she owns it. She bought it. Oh. Um, it is thought that Cheryl, the middle child may have been able to open the door and that she fell on the ground and that Diane reached across uh, the seats and shoots her a second time because there's blood splatter on the outside of the car that they don't notice the first time around, but they do eventually notice it. And that doesn't match Diane's story at all. Uh, Because if a man reaches into the car and shoots all the children, why is there blood splatter on the outside, kind of on the bottom? Not coming from the ground up. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, because then after he did that, he walked on water across. <laughs> White Jesus got away. Oh man. Right. Yeah. It was. It was turning. Uh, turning mud into to blood. Yeah. Yeah. Instead of water into wine or wine into water. What? Water. Water into, into wine. wine. <laughs> yeah. Why would you turn to... wine into water? <laughs> I don't know. Forgive me. <laughs> <laughs> Forgive me. I have sinned. Obviously. <laughs> So, like he said, the weapon used was a 22 pistol that Diane owned, which she had denied own, owning. Oh. She told the police that she did not own it. Uh, How'd that get in my When did they hand? start doing registry? There's never been a registry. No, but you know what I mean. Well, the background check? No, not background <laughs> checks. Like, when you purchase a gun, it has... Not the uh, the Brady Bill. When was that? The 90s. Right. Okay. That's that's what I was getting at, yeah. Yeah, this is the 80s. Yeah, they didn't do shit like that. Well, both Steve and Nick confirmed that she has this gun. Mm, 
Okay. And upon searching her home, they find a rifle, not this 22, but they mm-hmm. find a rifle with 22 shells inside of it that had been ejected from another weapon. They inspected those shells and they found extractor marks on the trim, which are unique to only one weapon. So she put the shells in in the shotgun. In the rifle. Or in the uh, rifle, I'm yeah. sorry. And uh, those, so those extractor marks matched the shell casings found at the crime scene. So she, I'm, why would you do that? I'm trying to think, why would you, do you think just because they're 22 casings that nobody's going to take a second look because they fit and they should be in that weapon? Why would you put used casings from a different weapon? Is that what she did? She put used casings? I don't think they were used. Oh, okay. But they on the tip of them, they had extractor marks. So I don't know if that means that they were used. I don't know. From from what I understood, they were not used. But I don't know. So then I'm, I guess I don't know what extractor marks are. That's when it ejects. Right. So how, if it hadn't ejected yet, they found it in the weapon? You can still eject. Like if you load it. That's true. I guess if you're it. practicing your loading. Yeah. Okay. You can get those extractor marks. Okay. Okay. But they were from another weapon. They were from the 22. Right. They matched the 22 that she had because every gun has its own unique extractor mark. Right. Yeah. So they matched the casings at the scene to the extractor marks in the right, in the, in the rifle, in the rifle. Yes. Oh, the, so it wasn't a handgun. What? That she killed the kids with? It, it was. was. No, it was. Oh. That's why I'm saying she these hid, are from another. Oh, weapon. okay. She hid the 22 casings in the rifle. Oh, okay. That's what I'm saying. So the ex- if were they used or maybe not she just used? thought. Oh, that. Oh, that's weird. Yeah. I mean, if she, if you're, I yeah, I don't know. I don't understand guns. I don't well, understand. I do like, understand. was the rifle a 22 rifle? Yeah. They didn't say. Oh. At so least from what I. Maybe read. she just thought, oh, that's not the same caliber rifle or same caliber, you know, like if she's hiding it in a 30 30, the 22s will just like slide right in the barrel. You don't even have to. Yeah. All they said was just it was a rifle. <laughs> She okay. didn't think that they were going to check any weapon that she had in the house. She though. is so smart. I that's I I'm just yeah, this is where I, I go back. Like I don't I'm trying to follow the reasoning. Obviously you're trying to hide them, but do you not if you're trying to hide something in an obvious way? I I don't know. I don't know. They had to take these things like under a microscope, so Well no, I mean you do. You because you can see like Mark the marks left on casings or on. I now I understand what an extraction mark is, but you can see that stuff, but you do have to look under a microscope. Yeah, everyone yeah. thinks that just like because guns are machined, uh, that they all do the same thing, but like each gun is different, it's like they have their own fingerprint, yeah. And so, like, you can, yeah, it's each gun extracts different, even fires different. So, like, the firing pin will hit the the primer and it, it it'll strike it differently because not even though everything's machined everything's not perfect you know what i mean there's right. always imperfections and something and so you can always like with a gun you can always tell which gun fired it yeah i just i would be curious to know if 
it was a 22 rifle and she just I thought that it. she was going to I hide. think it was just a, ri- a regular rifle that, you know, wasn't a 22 and she just hid them in there. She just thinking hid it in like, there. oh, this isn't the same caliber gun. They won't look for these shells in this rifle. Right, but they're still going to look at your rifle if you're under suspicion for a crime. She yeah. probably doesn't think that far ahead. <sighs> no, this isn't the rifle. My I'm shells right. aren't in here. This is Don't not the look. rifle you're looking for. <laughs> These are not the droids you're looking for. So remember how she said she raced to the hospital? Right. She was... No, she's desperate to get she's there. She's desperate. Yeah. Uh, they find a witness that was driving behind her that night, and it is reported that she was going around five to seven miles per hour Sweet. to the hospital. Hey. I really hate this woman. She was waiting for I them really to die. I really hate her. And then guess who she calls when she arrives at the hospital? Nick. Nick. You're... So, this brings us to the motive. Lead prosecutors used her diary to argue that she was trying to get her kids out of the picture in order to be with Nick because they were in the way. Right, of course they were, because it's the children's fault that you can't get dick from Nick. Damn. Go on. I hate this woman. I'm sorry. Like this, nothing makes me happy about anything that this woman is doing. Yeah. So, yeah. Needless to say, she was convicted on all charges. June 17th. Oh. 1984. Oh, look at that. That's my birthday. That's your birthday. Not in 1984, yeah. but yeah, because I was barely six years old, but. <laughs> yeah. But hey. Aww. Isn't it ironic? That's the day that she went down. It's the day that I came into this world. Special anniversary. (laughs) Uh, She was sentenced to life in prison plus 50 years. Yeah, she ain't going nowhere. With parole, without parole. Uh, She was required to serve 25 years before being considered for parole. Mm. But the judge who convicted her pretty much said, yeah, no, like we're not letting you out ever. You're a horrible person. And the fact that you gave birth to other people's children is... I, yeah. And uh, she actually gave birth to that child that she was pregnant with in between her conviction and her sentencing. And it was given to the state of Oregon. That's just... Why? I just, why, why do you do this to... Uh. There was a suggestion that she did that to garner sympathy. I feel like that's a bit much. I don't know. So, wait a minute. I'm the timeline here. This was after the shooting. She got pregnant? Yes. She Oh yeah, she knew what she was doing. She announced this in the Ann Yeager, and she announced this in the Ann Jager interview that she had uh which was one of the ones that she was doing for publicity like, "Hey, if anybody knows anything, come forward." Yeah. So this was after the shooting. So, well, the interview was after, but she was already pregnant? I don't think she was already pregnant during that time. Okay. Yeah, I... That that math wouldn't add up because, well, no. She gave birth in jail? Yeah. Well... So, I mean, it happened after the shooting for sure. Yeah, because it took nine months for them to even arrest her. Right. So I'm pretty sure it was... I don't know. Yeah, so it was during the time where she was probably looked at like there was suspicion. Yeah. But they just didn't have enough to, you know, make an arrest. Yeah. And so she thought, well, hey, if I'm pregnant, I bet she thought, hey, if I'm pregnant, I they won't arrest me. 
Yeah. But this was that guy that she met along the route, right? Yeah. Yeah. And he didn't fucking see none of this on the news? Well, in the in the interview that she does with Ann Jager, she says, Ann Jager asks, who is the father? Yeah. And she says, oh, we're going to keep that private. Uh-huh. <laughs> Maybe both- he probably didn't know. I don't think he really knew. Okay, I mean, a girl you- just knocks on your door. With some weed and some whiskey. whiskey. Yeah. And like, she's looking for a good time. Good time's gonna You're not be gonna had. Question it. You don't think like, damn, this bitch is trying to get knocked up. I mean, you should have been questioning it because <laughs> because it's her. <laughs> because well, well, it's Oregon. I don't know, but I mean, it, the AIDS epidemic was full blown at that point, pretty much. Unprotected sex was. I don't think she really cared because she. Oh, I'm she pretty care. sure she gave Nick. An STI, which he in turn gave to his wife. Oh, I'm sure they were all spreading everything. Yeah. The chlamydia, gonorrhea, all of it. Psychiatrist actually diagnosed her with narcissistic hysteronic mm-hmm. and antisocial personality disorders. Mm-hmm. I makes, see that. Makes a lot of sense. Uh, she was incarcerated in Oregon in Salem. Mm. And actually on July 11th, 1988, she escaped what she escaped prison oh my and she went on the run for 14 days oh shit to where though like did they say where she was caught or where she ended up uh she was staying at a an inmate's husband's house well i'm sure they were bumping uglies too wait she escaped for 10 days my bad so she actually escaped for 10 days from prison and she was hanging out at at somebody she knew, yeah, their has her husband, an inmate's husband's house. Mm-hmm. And there was she scaled an eighteen foot razor wire fence. How? I don't even know. She escaped from her cell and she went over this fence, and there was fourteen states involved in this manhunt. You mean how these people cook top ramen in their cells? <laughs> With the electricity. Oh, I know they're finding love in the toilets. I've seen well, the. <laughs> I've seen. I'm just shit. saying. You're surprised? No, I'm just saying. I. <laughs> what resources do you have to scale? They make razor? wine in the toilets. You're asking how she scaled an 18 foot. I mean, I kind of am because even on the outside, I don't think I could do that. How the <laughs> fuck are you going to do that on the inside? She was determined to get that dick. Yeah. I mean, she's dumb for the dick, apparently. I just don't understand. Like, girl, just stay in stay in prison. Come on. Stay in your lane, Diane Downs. <laughs> she don't know how clearly. Well, you know how to drive five miles an hour when your children's lives are on the line. You can stay away from Dick. Yeah, so she received an additional five-year sentence for her escape. That's it? Yeah. It doesn't matter. And, I mean, she's it's already life in life. And yeah, 50. whatever. But does she have to serve that before she's eligible for parole? I do not know. Mm-hmm this woman so after her capture she was transferred to the new jersey department of corrections clinton correctional facility for women oh so she's across the country now no new jersey yeah is she back i believe yeah she is she got transferred to california later so she went to new jersey for a little bit and then now she's in california yeah i believe so we're out in california now 
I think it's SoCal. It's not. Oh. Yeah. Okay. It's not like the women's Folsom. Doesn't Folsom have a women's penitentiary? No. 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 Where is that at? Chowchilla. Chowchilla. That's, that's right. where she is. She's in. She's in Chowchilla. Oh, okay. Yeah. So she's in Chowchilla. Yeah, they have a women's facility. I knew it was one of those places. <laughs> in the valley. Yeah. Well, I, Chowchilla is not. I choose to not remember that name. It sounds horrible. <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay. Chowchilla. Uh, so she was moved to New Jersey because the Salem prison was located 66 miles from the lead prosecutor's home. And oh. he feared that she was going to come and look for the kids or harm him or his wife. Valid. Um, he, uh, completely valid. Yeah. <laughs> or try to sleep with him, which is just as valid. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, obviously, she has no shits. She gives no shits about who she's sleeping with. Yeah. So. Yeah. She probably knew her cycle and would have tried to have gotten <laughs> a, a baby off of him, too. Oh, yeah. God. She yeah. probably escaped the prison on her cycle. Too. <laughs> right? I mean, that adds that extra oomph of I'm going to scale this razor sharp fence. Get some dick. I'm on my cycle. And then I'll get pregnant again. Just think if it was a full moon and she was on her cycle. <laughs> is like, she a werewolf? She's a werewolf now. <laughs> she is. Yes. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, despite the fact that they upped the security after that, they sent her to New Jersey. And then at some point, I think it was the 2000s, she was sent to California. And I know mm -hmm. that she got a degree there. Oh, God. Is it a psychology degree? No, I think it was just general studies. Okay. Sure, it's not. Gynecological degree. <laughs> she's, she's a proponent for the rhythm method. Yeah. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> oh God! I can tell you, urine cycle, urine cycle. Right. <laughs> she can tell other people's cycle now. Right. <laughs> right. She just needs to set up shop where she just puts women in tune with their cycles. Well, maybe right. she did in prison. Maybe I mean, I guess it did. didn't probably help them any. But <laughs> I mean, it's really not. But whatever. So down sentence meant that she could not be considered for parole until two thousand nine. And under Oregon law, any under Oregon law at the time, as a dangerous offender, she would have been eligible for a parole hearing every two years until she's released or dies in prison. I'm gonna guess it's the later. And she faced her second parole hearing on December 10th, 2010, and was denied. And her next parole hearing is actually scheduled for 2021. I really hope they deny that. I mean, I'm I'm pretty sure that they will but and yeah. i actually saw an article about they interviewed her for some reason about covid going well, through her prison yeah because california was one of the ones that were they were god love these bleeding hearts but i these people are in prison because they've done the worst of the worst i don't really I, I don't want anybody to get unnecessarily sick, but releasing prisoners who have been sentenced for a crime this horrific, moving them or being, you know, in any way concerned if they got COVID was was not correct. I it I just I don't just, feel like that was the right move to to 
I I just don't understand. I, don't know. I have a hard time with it. I don't understand why they interviewed her. Because she's famous. I'm so famous. Because she's famous. She's and famous she didn't and she's turn well it known. Down. Would you like to do an interview? Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because it keeps her relevant. And she's always maintained her innocence until this day. Yeah, of and course. anything that she can get on the news and, and do sad. before her next parole hearing. Yeah, of guys, course. That's true. You guys haven't found white Jesus yet? No, they obviously have not find, need to found find white him. Jesus. He's the he's, one. There's about a million of them hanging down in Portland, so maybe they're looking in the wrong area in Oregon yeah. for white Jesus. Yeah, he's out know. there, apparently. I mean, yeah. she's, what, like in her 60s now? Yeah. How yeah. old was she when she escaped? 30. That's what I'm saying. Even yeah, she would have been about 30. <laughs> even 30-something. Oh, okay. Because she was 27 Never when she committed this life. crime. Never in my life would I be able to scale a... <laughs> Damn. Um, 18 foot. Could have. Barbed I love fence. how you... No, I could not have. Even in my best shape. You could have. I don't think I could even do that. If there were rabid dogs trying to kill me and chew my legs off, maybe. I just don't get that. Girl. When would I have been able to do that? You tell me. When, when, when you we were on your met, cycle. Yeah. When I was when the, <laughs> during the full moon on my cycle. Yeah. Duh. When we first met? Yeah. Honey, no. Yeah. Why do you say that? Because you were pretty fit. Shorty was fit. When we met? Yeah. No. Okay. The best shave of my life was probably after I had had all three of the girls and we lived in Modesto. Okay. But you weren't scaling any 18 foot fences? No, yeah. I was doing um, Pilates at home. Oh. And we were walking, what, two miles every day, two or three miles every day. To take you back and forth to the bus. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I was I was doing Pilates and lifting two car seats and yeah. Yeah, I would say that's probably like the best shape of my life. Not when we met fresh like right out of high school. Not at all. <laughs> okay. Why do you say that? I don't even know where you're coming from right now. I don't know if you're serious or I'm you're serious. joking or yeah, this is okay. serious. I don't know. Serious. I, 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 I don't know what you're trying to get at. Just not in the trouble. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. Mm, I don't know. I, whatever. I couldn't have done it. I definitely couldn't do it now. Okay. <laughs> yeah, sorry. I don't know. I, I just she, don't even... Did she make meth in the toilet in the prison and was superhuman? Maybe. I don't know. I mean. I don't think she, I don't know if she did drugs. They never really said anything about that. I think she it, smoked marijuana, but that was about it. Oh, obviously she showed up with the whiskey weed, and weed. weed. We know yeah, she yeah, did the whiskey. that. <laughs> yeah. And I just she, like how they said it. She knew where to get it along her mail road. They said it in the interview. They were like, whiskey and marijuana. <laughs> well, marijuana. Come on, honey. She was. She really wanted that dick. She hadn't had it in 10 years. She oh, probably scaled fucking wall for that. I mean, in a single sure, bound, yeah. probably. I, I mean, think of her pattern. Like, yeah. She had to go find the nearest married man. That's right. right. That's, I, I mean, that's what I'm saying. It's and motivation. She, 
She stayed with her inmate's husband. <laughs> right. Who lets you? Who lets her near any married man? Who? <laughs> this goes back to our conversation. All I'm picturing is like this werewolf now. She's like <laughs> dick, 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 scaling a wall. <laughs> She's like running around. <laughs> my god <laughs> this is taking a turn oh god <laughs> that escalated very quickly oh, sorry <laughs> or slowly i don't know <laughs> i don't know We've that's just all i'm picturing no she's I'm... got this weird pattern and then yeah promiscuity and she's just like going after it hey, and then I'm 10 years knock- locked up she's just like the <laughs> thing is i'm not even knocking her for wanting to have sex i don't even care my problem is number one don't don't fuck married men number two don't get pregnant because you want to replace a child or because you you want money from you know giving birth to a baby that's not yours that's i can't and number three do what you're gonna do but don't kill your children i mean that really should be number one do what you're gonna do don't kill your children you want to have so many kids a lot from this lady i'm asking a lot from a lot of people okay (laughs) she's not the only one who's done shit like Mm. this i'm asking you to i'm i just i don't know be a decent person shoot yourself don't (gasps) shoot your children well she did (laughs) right she did in the arm right but i'm saying that was white jesus right i'm just saying (laughs) i was sasquatch (laughs) probably was (laughs) She's a werewolf. She met up with Sasquatch. <laughs> it's Oregon. I mean, weirder things have happened, I'm sure. Were there aliens, too? Maybe. Maybe, maybe. that's who she was going to tell the police that did it. And then she was like, I'm not going to tell you. I'm just going to storm out. What? I, You're not ready. This bitch wanted to narc on herself. I guarantee you that the narcissist in her really wanted to come out and be like, but guess what? I did it. <laughs> but she was like, let me stop for a second. But, yeah. but let me, let me calm down. <laughs> I know all of her tendencies are definitely characteristic for somebody who is narcissistic. It's, it's not what you can do for people. It's what they can do for you. Oh, yeah, you want your children sure. to love you. You want to replace the child that you lost. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's it's definitely, you know, or I want to get away from my parents, so I you're going to save me. What can you do for me to help me out of my situation, my terrible life? Oh, I'm going to use your money. Right. It's It, it definitely fits her. <sighs> I hate this woman. Did I say that thing. yet? <laughs> yeah. It was a whole thing. I I feel very strongly and passionately that she needs to rot in that jail cell wherever she is in California and Chowchilla. <laughs> I hate that word too. But I I it's very unfortunate because you have you have damaged so many lives. Yeah. Because you couldn't be happy with yourself, basically, is what it boils down to. You couldn't be happy with yourself and, and, you know, find a way to be loving and kind to your children that depended on you and you hurt them physically, mentally, emotionally. I, I don't know. 
I, I hope that her two surviving children, I mean, I, it seems like they ended up where they needed to be yeah, and hopefully have lived very loving and, and, you know, happy lives without her influence on them. Yeah. Yeah. Just, uh, it is quite a ride. Yes. And like I said, is. there's so many details that if you read, like, honestly, if you just read about this lady, it's just like, girl, what the fuck? Well, I really didn't Come know. On. I, I didn't know a lot of those details because this is something that comes up every once in a while. And I've kind of like, you know, when it comes up, I'll look at it. But a lot of that happened when I was a child and it I had no idea. Yeah. You know, I was a lot younger. I mean, I was around the age of her kids. Yeah. Yeah. They were born around the time you were yeah. born. So... Yeah, that's it's just very sad. I I hate that I hate that it involved children. It it's really sad because they were sad. very very young. Yeah, to be neglected and then to have that happen. Ugh. I uh, well, she's where she needs to be, and hopefully, she's getting some mental health help. I hope so. I, I I sincerely hope so. I, I don't want to release, but I hope she's getting the help that she needs. Hopefully. Yeah. Well, thank you, Mara. Yeah, thanks, Mara. Thanks for yeah. for stepping in this week for me. It was, it was quite the time. Yeah. Now you know what I do. Yeah, it takes a lot of effort. It does. And, and I wouldn't do it. You know, you won't do it again. This is it. This is I mean, one time I'll deal. do it again, but like if I had to run a podcast, I don't, I don't know about all that. Well, see, this is why I can focus on what I do because your dad focuses on what he does. Yeah. Yeah. Even it, at that, it's still a lot sometimes. It just took but. me so long and I had to rewrite it so many times, mainly because she has just, like I said, all these crazy things, but yeah. Yeah. It gets hard to pare down things sometimes. I've had to do that. A few times with that, with people that we've discussed and it, it, it does get hard. Yeah. Because you're like, I there's just so much crazy to share. <laughs> Literally. And it's all relevant. If y'all want to know more about her, whatever, go read Small Sacrifices. Yeah. It's quite a time. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you everybody for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed the bonus episode. And again, thank you for helping us get to 10,000 downloads. We really appreciate all the support. Please make sure you guys uh, go and find us on social media and give us a rate and review. We really want to hear from you. And until then, stay out of the damn woods. Stay out of the woods. Thanks, Mara. Bye, everybody. Bye.